my name is Megan. I'm Alana. And this is Anything Goes Bump in the Night podcast. Uh, today we have some fun uh, true crime stories that we want to talk about. Uh, so for our last podcast we talked about ghost stories that both of us have personally encountered, things that we have experienced on a one-on-one -on -one basis with the paranormal, <laughs> and we will continue talking about ghost stories and other things that are non-related to us necessarily in the future. Um, but what we're thinking about doing, at least for the next couple podcasts, is doing um, like ghost stories, paranormal, then a true crime episode, so like switching back and forth. So we'll do a little bit of everything, um, but since it is the October month, the spooky <laughs> month, and we're spooky ladies, we decided to dress up. So every single podcast in this month, depending on how many we'll be making, depending on how all this goes, yeah. <laughs> um, will be uh, dressed up in costumes. So if you are currently <laughs> listening on SoundCloud, um, hop on over to YouTube and come check us out. I am currently a default pirate. I have no origin other than this is my costume and hello, I own a ship. Pirates. Pirates. <laughs> the sea. <laughs> And this is Mrs. Uh, Off-Brand Lovett. Walmart brand. Walmart brand. Love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just decided that it would be fun, even though we're adult women, to dress up and get a little spooky this month since, you know, we may not be able to celebrate it in other ways due to our lovely COVID-19. Thank you again. Sponsored. Sponsored by COVID. <laughs> Sponsored by Corona. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sponsored by Corona. Corona is not no, sponsoring us. Thank you. Corona will like, write a letter and be like, we don't know who you are. Go we don't away. Know these people. <laughs> We're not uh, affiliated. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so today we have a couple different things, and what we're going to try to do every single true crime case is um, one of us is going to cover one that's lesser known, and one of us is going to cover one that's more known, and what we'll probably do is like switch, you know, swap that out. So this time she's got one that is not so famous, you know, a not so famous true crime event story um, that took place on Halloween, yes. correct? So we're yeah. trying to stick with that theme with the true crime stories right now, since we are in the spooky Halloween. month of October. Oh, uh, Halloween! <laughs> And um, I have one that's a little bit more well-known, and if you're reading the title of this podcast, then you probably already know that I'm going to be covering The Candyman, which after looking it up, I figured out there's actually two, <laughs> but I'll be covering only one of them. <laughs> so, um, I also had a wonderful complaint. It wasn't really a complaint. I think it was constructive criticism about my laughing, um, which I will try to contain. And by try to contain, I mean I'll do what I want. And if I laugh because life is funny, then I will laugh. <laughs> but that's okay. Stinky people. Stinky people. But you, it's okay. We love some constructive criticism, but not about how I go about my life, even when I'm a little <laughs> nervous. It's okay to be nervous, and I'll be honest, I was a little nervous that first one. Mm -hmm. I think everyone would have been, <laughs> but I will continue to laugh. Um. <laughs> and I'll stay in the stinkies. I'll beat you. With oh, my, this is my Mrs. Love It off-brand, Walmart brand. Mama rolling pin. Yeah. <laughs> beat your ass the old-fashioned way. Sponsored. <laughs> Not sponsored by Walmart. By, by rolling pins. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so um, the case that I covered doesn't really have like a famous name to it or anything. Yeah. It's, if you want to look it up, the court case I believe is called uh, Massey v. Grant. It's not the guy's last name who 
committed the crime I'm about to talk about. I'm sure you guys can figure out what it was, though. Um, so, anyways, let's just get into it. So it happened, it happened on Halloween night. Um, this guy, his name was David L. Andrews. He was a convicted felon in the past. He, from what I've read on different sources, just kind of hopping around, he had, um, escaped from a prior prison, jail, I don't know, you know so the difference between them really. He's don't experienced. Judge me. He's, he's seen some seasoned stuff. in seasoned. crime. <laughs> That's the best way to put he it. He actually has a past in um I don't want to say like child molesting, but child <laughs> trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, trigger warning. This whole episode, I'm gonna be honest, is probably gonna be a trigger warning considering what I know mine consists of as well. So if you're someone so, who doesn't like, you know, anything to do with triggering <laughs> if you're triggered by anything especially having to do with a true crime event i would just suggest you hop on over to Disclaimer. the past one or the next one that we'll have up shortly it will be up soon. so yeah i would just skip the true crime ones because we'll probably be covering They're a lot of pretty things gruesome that yeah a little so, unsettling um he from what i could find didn't necessarily molest children but he was a child predator <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yes, and that occurred September, I want to say, 20th of 1977. Him, uh, him like, offending him for the first time? offending. Or the I don't know caught. if it was the first time, but it was when he was caught. Okay. This with time. the children. Mm, with so the children. So, this time is going to take place in 1984. Mm, on Halloween okay. Night. That's honestly, I think, only 10 years. 84? 84. 84. The same year. That's... No, no, no. Oh, oh my god. Okay, so mine took place 10 years before this event. Oh. And this guy was killed... In 84. In 84. Oh. So, just... That's just weird. <laughs> I, that, I was like, 84? That's really? That's so familiar. <laughs> so, this man has escaped from prison, and he is... In a different state now, he is in, they're in, um, I, I want to get this right, they're in Kansas now. So, I don't know what state he was in before, but not Kansas. Um, <laughs> not Kansas. He, he is not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> so, um, anyways, they, um, he has married another woman. Mm -hmm. I could not find out if she is aware of his criminal past. Okay, so keep interesting. That, keep that in mind because I don't feel like she would have married him had she had known. Yeah, with because that knowledge. this lady has three children. She oh. has, <laughs> I'm just going to let you know, she has, um, I believe he's eight years old at the time. I hope she didn't know anything about it. I also don't. I have to come back and get her ass. <laughs> she has eight-year-old Brian Macy, and then she has ten-year-old Tamara Joe Macy, an 11-year-old Tiffany Dawn Macy. Okay. And they are all one big happy family. And then <laughs> the Brady bunch. <laughs> yeah. And then this Andrews character comes around, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming that they don't know anything about his right. past. And on Halloween night, he comes home from school. Brian does. The little kid, eight years old. Yeah. And he's ready to go trick-or-treating with his sisters, yeah. as any eight-year-old kid would be on Monday right. night. And he comes home. He 
notices that something's up mm -hmm. and goes into the kitchen, sees Andrew standing there yeah. with his mother holding a knife. Oh! He sees Andrew stab his mother multiple times. I think Trauma. she has, she ends up with 30 or more stab wounds. Oh my god! In her body. They, um, so Aunt, or Brian, the little kid, runs yeah. to his sister's room. He tells them to hide. And then he, I'm assuming, runs to a different room and hides because right. they're children. They don't know what to do. Right, of course. And Andrews is terrible. He kills their mother and then goes into the little girl's room, mm -hmm. kills both of them. And when they were found, they were found, I'm quoting from this article that I will cite at the end. They were found crammed into the corner of the room between a bed and the wall. Oh. And... Like, their bodies were also covered in stab wounds and blood, and it was a pretty gruesome sight. Oh my gosh. To be there. I this, bet. Yeah. This one officer, his name is Randy Corn Cornelius, mm -hmm. and he is a new officer. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, just got this job and everything, just started really. He shows up. So, funny thing is about this case, they don't show up to the crime scene yeah. until the morning after. Why? I don't know. So I don't know called? how they didn't find out until then. But they did not show up until November 1st in the morning. What the hell? So it didn't so, say that nobody, like anyone called? It just nope. was like, oh my God. Yes. How, I don't why know how they found out. Okay, oh, so it doesn't even say. So Randy Cornelius, all right. he um, he's one of the first officers on the scene. He's new to all of this. And he walks in, I'm also quoting this, there wasn't a wall in the house that didn't have blood on it. Like, that's how Horrifying. bad this was. That's, yeah. It was a pretty rough crime scene. Damn. So, going back to Brian, he's still in this house. His sisters are gone at this point. Yeah. And Andrews comes into uh, Brian's room, wherever he's hiding. He has the knife still in his hand. I'm assuming he's covered. Is he the only, like, one left? He is the only one left. Okay. Brian, little boy, eight years old, is the only one left. And Andrews comes into his room, and he is like, I'm not, this is not going to be an exact quote, but he basically said, if you don't shut the fuck up and do what I tell you to do, yeah. I will kill you. Oh I will God. stab you. And... At that point, you're just doing, what, like, survival mode. Yeah, and he's eight years old. He doesn't know what to do. So they're at their home in Wagstaff is where their home is at. I don't know if I, I don't think I okay. said that earlier. That's okay. But um, their home is in Wagstaff. I forget what state that is in right now, but I feel like I should know too. I feel like I should know. Wagstaff. It's not Ohio. It is. It sounds so familiar. It's somewhere that's not Ohio because they <laughs> drive to Ohio, and they, they drive, drive to Ohio. They drive to Ohio. It is from um, Wagstaff. Yes. Okay. They drive to Miami County. Okay. Ohio. Yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> and it's like this two-day venture because yeah. it's a long drive for some reason. And um, Andrews takes little Brian to um, his sister's house, to Andrews, his yeah. sister's house. And it comes out later in the case. This case has taken, it's had many retrials because for his parole. Mm -hmm. So during these retrials, 
Uh, Brian has obviously grown up. It's right. been years since this happened, but right. obviously still stings a lot yeah. and is terrifying. And trauma. Can you imagine yes. the amount of trauma that you just like hold in your body for the rest of your life? Yes. Jesus. And so a lot of this information starts to come out later on, but I'm yeah. just going to say it like yeah. it is. So on the way up to Ohio, it later comes out because... They could not find the murder weapon. They couldn't find the. So knife. why did he leave this the the little boy? So on their way up to Ohio, I don't know if they made any stops because it lasted for two days. Yeah. And I think when I looked it up, it was only at most a twelve-hour drive. Yeah. So. Huh. I'm not sure why it said it lasted two days, but. Maybe he was just taking his time and going weird routes so nobody was following him. Yes, and it later came out during one of the retrials, I think in the early 2000s, I think 2007, yeah. is when the information came out that the murder weapon was disposed of on the way to Ohio. Oh, it they was, just flung it out like... They were in Michigan. I remember now. They were in Michigan. Michigan! Wagstaff! <laughs> well, he disposed of the knife on the way okay. to Ohio. Oh, wow. And also on the way to Ohio, he um, sodomized Brian. So there's a lot of bullshit going on. Yeah. And that doesn't come out until much later because... Yeah. All the evidence in the house, even without the murder weapon, was enough to convict him. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So. Dang. It was, they said it was hard for them. Uh, I'm going to get into the charges yeah. soon. But it was hard for them to make some of the charges without things like the actual, like, right. weapon that he used. But it's still, like, there was still too much evidence right. that for them to, to not, not convict him. him. Yeah. So, he takes this little boy up to his sister's house, and then on November 2nd, the police find him, take him in, and they start working to charge him with three counts of first-degree murder. Wow. And then, um, kidnapping and sodomy. Yeah. Good. Yes. Thank God. So... You say that, but it gets worse uh -huh. than even that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not Never mind, it's not getting better. <laughs> so, because of his past, yeah. he's found out how to manipulate things, find out how to talk his way out of things. Of course. The article said that his mental state was questionable. What? At best. <laughs> I'm sure At best. everyone it was has figured out by now. So, that's why charging him with the first degree murder was difficult because they couldn't yeah. prove premeditation. Damn. Yes. So <sighs> yeah. the past that I'm talking about that he has is um it later came out I don't remember when it came out but he um well I'm sure it came out whenever they tried him. Yeah. But his he got blasted like crazy drunk one night and, As one does. Yes, and was with his brother, and he ended up stabbing his brother. He's just a psycho. Yes. That's what it is. He's so just a psycho. That is 
so he does have that violent past. And then in this trial that I'm talking about in 2007, mm -hmm. where Brian's a lot older now, he is a lot more willing to talk about what happened because it's been a while. Um, he comes out with what happened between Andrews and his mother. Because up until this point, no one knows the motive or the Why he killed all these people? Yes, yeah. the build-up to this. So, Brian comes out and he's um, explaining that they were having a really bad argument. Yeah. It's usually how things like this start. And it's how it goes. His mother kicked um, Andrews out. She was like, get yeah. out of my house. You're, you're not welcome here anymore. Right. And he stormed off. He apparently... So, Andrew's story... I'll tell you Andrew's story first. He says he remembers grabbing the kitchen knife and hearing lots of screaming, but doesn't remember the stabbings. And that's where he is good at talking his way out of things. Of course. Because he's trying to make himself sound crazy. Oh, I don't remember anything. I just blacked out. <laughs> they always so, say that shit. Later in this 2007 trial, Brian comes out and says they were fighting. Yeah. My mother told him to get out. <clears throat> and then he came back. Mm. and had been drinking, and he, which, he was drinking when they stabbed his brother. Oh my god. Drinking when this happened. So, his his mother, Brian's mother, yeah. goes to grab their phone because she goes to call her father. Yeah. To tell him what's happening. Jesus. And that's when Andrews flips, and he grabs the kitchen knife and starts to stab oh his god. mother. Oh my god. And then she tries to get to the front door. That's yeah. where they found her, was at the front door in a pool of blood. Oh, no! Yes. So, so he's had a rough history. Yes, he's <laughs> had a great time. Jesus Christ. So, that is some of the information that later came out about yeah. all of this. When this trial happened, there was a week-long interview in April of 1985. Two staff members in the Meninger Foundation in Topeka talked oh, to Andrews. Yeah. Topeka, Kansas, baby. Yes. And they talked <laughs> they talked to Andrews about his um crime, like why he did it and everything. And yeah. that is when he said, Oh, like, I don't remember anything. Oh, I just blacked out. It's a blur. So because of Andrew's altered mental state that they supposedly found out about, like, it was a surprise or whatever. Yeah, what a surprise. They had a... I don't know if the trial was ongoing or if this was a separate trial, but they had this trial on May 13th of 1985. Wow, yeah. Where they re... I guess renegotiated his um, plea and everything, and... So the initial charges, which were what again? The initial charges that they were trying to get him for, I guess this was an ongoing trial, because the uh, initial charges that they wanted to get him for were three counts of first-degree murder, yeah, sodomy, and kidnapping. Right, as they should. As they should. And on May 13th, they um, announced this plea deal, where yeah. basically... He said he would plead guilty if they lowered the charges to second-degree murder and then drop, completely drop 
the sodomy and kidnapping charges. Oh yeah, because, you know, let's just get rid of the important let's stuff. Let's ignore the children. So, yeah, always. Let's always ignore the children. That yeah. would mean people would have to own up shit. Sorry. Whatever. So, somehow they decided that was okay. And yeah, that's what they decided on was his awesome. punishment. So, um, June of the same year, June of 1985, yeah. he was sentenced to 15 years to life mm. for each second degree murder. Oh, good. <laughs> so, total... That, the, well, they had to be running consecutively. Yeah. Years, 15 years running consecutively. So, 45 years to life. But 45, 45 years, years to life. But, for, but 45 because, years. Because, um, essentially after the retrials happened, the one in 2007 yeah. happened. And, um, he was put up for parole. It got denied. Gosh. But they could only push the next retrial 10 years. And, um, oh my gosh. Yep. There. Oh, there's another thing that I forgot to mention. So, the crime scene, you know how all these things keep coming out about the crime scene? Yeah. Some other stuff, um, came up that, because they, um, I guess this was a factor going into, like, taking it from first degree to second degree. Yeah. They could not find his blood at the crime scene. And when oh, they yeah. found him and arrested him, he had, like, a cut on his hand. Yeah, but it could have been a cut that he got after the crime yeah. scene. I mean, come on. So, because that of that, that was also a factor. Oh, it's bull. <sighs> but I will say this. It is, in 2017, from this article, Yes. Um, at the time, uh, Miami County Counselor David Hedger, I don't know if he's still the counselor there or not, but in 2017 he was. Yeah. Um, he said he believes that current fortunate equipment and techniques could find the DNA that they were looking for and that the case would be handled differently regarding all the kidnapping and sodomy. But there would be no retrial anyway. It just would nope. be like if that... They can't charge him. Okay. So, so an unfortunate ending. Yes. So 2007, parole was put off 10 years, and September 25th, 2017, um, that was another parole really? trial. Yep. And he didn't get it? Nope. Good. That no one spoke in favor of him yeah, I getting bet. that parole. And they're like, yeah, he'll do it again. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, he's a monster. Don't let him out. Yeah. No one wants him out because he's not sorry. He will kill again because. But they're like, no, it's okay. Let's put him on parole at some point. Yeah. Let's keep retrying, right? So, from what I got from that case, he was not put on parole. Yeah. But, um, if he if he serves his full sentence of forty five years, he will be getting out in um, two thousand and twenty nine. <sighs> Yeah, great. Hmm. We love 2029. Fantastic. We stand. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so there is, from that 2017 trial, yeah. I will just throw this in there. There was um, one of his sisters who was tragically murdered. Her, her Tiffany Macy was her name. By um, who, him? By Andrews. Yeah, that was... Um, Brian's little yeah, uh, oh, older, oh, oh, older oh. sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's so right. <laughs> Tiffany, one of his older sisters, yes. her best friend at the time, like her childhood best friend, yeah. was involved in the 2017 trial. 
Oh, okay. Her, her name was uh, Kathy Meyer, and they were like best friends for like forever. Yeah. And uh, they they even shared the same birthday and everything. Oh wow! Like they were really really close. Yeah. She testified and everything. She actually had survivor's guilt because of that night because. Oh man, I bet. Um. Oh, that's really Tiffany, rough. Tiffany had asked if she could come stay the night that night. Oh my gosh. And, yep, and Kathy didn't think anything of it. She had other plans. Yeah. So she told Tiffany that she couldn't stay the night that night. And saved her life, but yep. she, you know, she feels like she should have been there that night. Yep, I'm sure she that's feels why. like yeah. she should have let her stay the night, which I'm sure oh, anyone man. would. Yeah. And so she testified, told her story, which is absolutely terrible, and she, um, that was part of her testimony was that she has the survivor survivor's guilt and yeah. um she had nightmares about it for a whole year after wow. the event happened. So God that sucks. Yeah. That is all so I have. That seemed that sad story. It's not a very happy ending, I apologize. God, that sucks though. But what was the name of it again if they want to research it some more? So this was um if you wanna look it up the court case is called Macy v. Grant, not Macy Andrews. V. Grant. Okay, I'll try. I'll either put and it in the links down below because we'll have links to all of our stuff, or I'll also put it on screen if I can have the wherewithal to do so. <laughs> and the year, the year is 1984, which would help in looking it up if you put that. If you put Macy v. Grant, 1984. Okay. It will come up. <sighs> well, mine has a little bit of a happier ending, but well, kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's, you know, it, it's still pretty sad the way it turned out anyway. Um, so, mine is The Candyman, which if you clicked on this podcast to begin with, will be in the title. Um, I actually watched, the first time I ever heard of this story specifically, I was watching a Bailey Sarian video, which I absolutely love her true crime and, like, paranormal, like, story, like, and makeup, makeup videos. Is They're so good. It's so fun to watch. It's so soothing. I love her. Her voice makes me so happy. <laughs> So mine started um, on Halloween of 1974. Um, it is a, about a, like the focus is about this man called Ronald Clark O'Brien. And it's mostly, it's, it's about O'Brien, but it's also about the O'Brien family, kind of. Um, so Halloween 1990, excuse me, Halloween 1974, um, O'Brien and his two children, he had an older daughter and a younger son named Timothy, were out trick-or-treating um, in their town. And they went to this one house that had all of its lights off. And, you know, they went up to it anyway, which I'm thinking... I would not do that. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't care that's 1974 or not. Were their parents or no? I'm it was... The, the father was with them. Okay. And the father... Well, I mean, like, whatever. But, like, even still... Um, and, by the way, he was an... Op no, an optometrist. Yeah, an optometrist. Yeah, he was an optometrist, so he, like, I mean, he was a doctor. He was also a deacon at his okay. local church. Let me tell you real quick. He was a deacon at Second Baptist Church. Um, he sang in the choir and was in charge of the local bus program, as well as um, working for Texas State Optical in Sharpstown. Sharpstown? It's probably pronounced differently if you're from there, because I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sharpstown, Houston. Um, okay. So this, you know, took place in Texas in 1974. Um, so yeah, so he was an optometrist, he was like a deacon at their Baptist church, like, like he was this good guy. He had a family, two kids, a wife, you know, stereotypical, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to kind of guy. 
um, above and beyond even, I would say. So he's taking his kids out trick or treating and they knock on this house's door who has all of its lights off and you know, that's suspicious enough. Maybe, maybe, I don't care that it's 1974 or not, but like my mama would never let me do that. Of course I was born in the 90s, but still, yeah. like I just can't imagine, like one of the things you know, you learn, you know, when you go trick or treating. Is that if their light is off, they, they do not yes, want you there. They're not, yeah. they, they don't want you there. They, they have don't have no candy. candy for you. <laughs> <laughs> they may not even be home. So just don't yeah. walk on their property. Like that's a little, little trespass or trespass. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So they go up to the house they knock on the door and no one answers. So they all leave. Well, Dad, um, Mr. Ronald Clark O'Brien, goes back up to the house later on and knocks on the door and That's comes weird. back to his kids and gives them some candy from the house saying, uh, oh, I went back up because I thought I heard someone inside the house, knocked on the door, and, you know, a hand comes out and gives me these pixie sticks. That is sketchy. Suspicious. Sus. So, sus. <laughs> sus. So, anyway, the kids are like, woohoo, more candy, woohoo. Yeah. So they go home for the night, and he tells them you guys can pick out one piece of candy each of you, right? So he picks out a piece for his daughter, um, and he picks out a piece for his son, and he picks out one of the pixie sticks that the house gave them as the candy his son should eat before he goes to bed that night. Um, and... Yeah, his, his son was having trouble like getting into his mouth, you know how pixie sticks, and, and little kids too, you know, like they stick their wet little mouth around the paper rim and all, all the candy gets like stuck to the outside yeah. so it gets, you know, so he was helping his son like, like over his mouth like opening it up and like tapping the bottom of it to get all of the little candy goodness powder out. Well, he tells, the poor little Timothy tells his daddy it did not taste right and he has a tummy ache within probably minutes, um, and then starts throwing up, starts convulsing, and passes out on the floor. An ambulance is called that night. So the ambulance comes to pick up little Timothy, and they get him into the ambulance and start driving to the hospital, and halfway to the hospital, from what I read, it was an hour into the hospital ride, Timothy died. He passed away. Oh my god. So bad, bad, bad. So bad. Um, so Mr. O'Brien starts working with the police, you know, they called, so obviously there's something wrong. They're like, oh my god, well I got these pixie sticks from this house that's just real sketch and, you know, I just thought it would be cool to feed it to my kids. That's reasonable. And all of a sudden um, they die. Not only, yeah, not only that, but he, there were also extra pixie sticks that this um, guy got um, that he gave to his kids to give to their friends. Um, so now their friends have some of the pixie sticks. Well, word gets around, the police um, picked them up. I think they, um, it was four to five, I think, that they wound up picking up. Yeah, four to five sticks. Um, I saw somewhere also... Four to five different kids. They were four to five, which I think it was actually four to six. I can't remember, like pixie sticks that were just kind of floating around. That had that they wound up actually like bringing back in for like evidence. That's um, not only was it proven to have nothing but potassium cyanide in them. Oh my! But God. they were also stapled back together. That's not weird. <laughs> so not only was there no, no candy inside, only potassium cyanide, but the perpetrators stapled the pixie stick back together. Cause that's not <laughs> suspicious at all. No. This guy just 
king of... Not the imposter. Not the imposter. No. King of not the imposter. <laughs> what the hell? So anyway, so poor little Timothy has passed away, unfortunately, was murdered. Um, the Luckily, the daughter never ever took like the pixie stick. She never ate it, so yeah. she survived. Um, the others were quickly taken into police custody, um, so that's awesome. And he, you know, was not a suspect at first. He was, uh, Ronald was not a suspect at all, actually, at first. He was working with the police, he was giving them all the information he had, but for some reason, he just couldn't figure out to save his life which house on the street was he got the candy from. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which house I got it from. I don't know. Sir, you know. Your son died. You know. So, the police are like, well, why not? passed on their property. Literally, to get these Pixie sticks. Yeah. So he goes, uh, so the police are like, okay, buddy, well, I don't know if it was shock or, you know, stress or whatever that's keeping you from remembering these details all of a sudden, because it's not, it's only been a few days since Halloween has occurred, it's by the way. It's not that hard. It's not been that long. It's not that hard. Especially um, if it's your son. Exactly. And daughter. Like, like, you know, they should know. So they take him out. They're like, okay, if you're not going to be able to tell us the details where we are now. So they're like, they took him back on the street where they were trick-or-treating with that night. And they're like, show us which house it is. Mm. So he all of a sudden has this <sighs> memory. All of a sudden. Oh. He's just a Raven Simone seeing into the future or past. <laughs> um, <laughs> and realizes that... Uh, you know, it's this dark house that they initially went up to that, you know, didn't want to give them candy, but, you know, he knocked on the door anyway. So, give me some candy, but I only saw a hand. I don't have a description. I know it was a man, but that's it. Um, so, the police are like, okay, well, we know it's this house, so let's get more information. So, the police do their work, and they go and talk to the people who live in the house. There's a wife, um, a husband, and a daughter that lived there. The wife and daughter were there that night, but they were both asleep. Um, by the time that these trick-or-treaters came by and the husband has an alibi from work. So they're like, we don't think it's this house. They don't seem suspicious. Everyone has alibis, you know, like nobody was actively even in the house at the time, whatever. So then they start getting really suspicious of Mr. O'Brien. They're like, Mr. O'Brien, why is it everything coming back to you all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why, why is it that all these kids, you know, really got the pixie sticks, I don't know, from you? So, you know, he denied, denied, denies, obviously. And also, one other thing, real quick, is that when they did the autopsy on Timothy, mm -hmm. he that's how they found out that there was potassium cyanide in his system, and that the only thing he ate that night was the pixie stick, so they, you know, realized that those two things were correlated, right? Well, they also found that there was enough cyanide in the pixie sticks in just Timothy's body to kill two grown adults. And then they also inspected the other ones that they took into custody, and, and every single other one, there was enough cyanide to kill three to four adults in every single one. So he just was going, ham. <laughs> Didn't care. No measurements. We don't have a measuring cup in this house. So the police start looking into Mr. O'Brien, and they find out that not only has he taken an insurance, pol insurance policy out on his son, Okay. He's also taken one out on his daughter, and they both equal to $60,000 if both of them had perished. Um, the next morning, after Timothy has died, before all this other crazy stuff happens, he calls his insurance to inquire about getting that money, getting that coin from his dead son. 
great guy. I do people. So that was a big suspicion. Yeah. Moment for the police, obviously. They also found out after asking around that there was a man in a doctor's coat. Remember, he was an optrician. Obtri excuse me, optrician, right? Optrician. Optometrist. Optometrist. Optrician, right? So <laughs> he he was an eye doctor essentially. <laughs> I, I and uh, but they, yeah, there was a description of a man in a, in a doctor's like coat that came into a store that did sell potassium cyanide, but he actually did not buy any potassium cyanide at this place, even though he was inquiring about it, um, because they only sold it in five pound bags. And I guess he just wasn't interested in purchasing a five pound bag of cyanide, but wow. you know, to each their own. <laughs> uh, so they don't actually know where he got the potassium cyanide he used. Um, for these from, but he does know that he was, they do know that he was looking for it. That um, is so weird. Which is so messed up. So police finally were like, all right, we have enough evidence. We're pretty sure it was this dumb motherfucker, you know, and they arrest him on November 5th. Not even a week goes by and this, they're like, all right, you're, it's you. It's over. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. You're the imposter. Um, but O'Brien maintained his innocence. He's like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was the weird hand in that house. I prom <laughs> promise you. This man. So there were multiple, um, there were multiple trials over the years. But in the end, his last trial only took 71 minutes to convict him with all of the evidence. It was just overwhelming. But yeah. Like, overwhelming how much the, the evidence there was against him. They were all like, yeah. wow, you're a dumb motherfucker. It's like, you didn't even try. You didn't even try <laughs> to hide it. Um, so, That's insane. yeah, so they convicted him. Um, and then That's on so March, it's messed up. He's, and he, let me, it gets worse. So, on March 31st, 1984, after midnight, he was killed by lethal injection, which is great because he should be dead. Yeah. We do not deserve him in our system. We don't have to, we should never have had to fucking pay for him in our system in the first place. Waste of Kill money. him. Waste of life. Just like, waste of space. Just, just like, His wife know. also didn't know anything about the, um, either of the insurance policies being taken out. She had no idea, no clue. Good news for mommy though, mommy divorced this man, said fuck you. Yeah. She took her daughter, she got remarried. That yeah. man adopted her daughter and they're living essentially happily ever after from what I understand. That's good. Which is lovely and that makes my heart happy. Yeah. But I mean, you can't come back from losing a child, no. especially when you find out that your husband did it for, mo for money. $30,000 approximately. Really? Which he was also in debt and a liar and had all this other background oh. of like lying and cheating and embezzling, like, you know, just don't like, like, just car stuff, you know, lawsuits, bullshit. So that was his. He was just a piece of shit guy who really wanted the community to think he was a good guy by becoming a deacon, by, you know, um, working with the up, church, covering everything up, being a doctor. He was special. He was important. Don't you remember? You know, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He just wanted the money. Yeah. Um, How are you a doctor? I don't know. And you can't make enough money. That's what I'm saying. You're Opt just being optometry ain't doing it for him. You're just being a dumbass with your money. Don't be a dumbass. <laughs> Literally. Well, a lot of these stories remind me of my ex because he do be uh, lying all the time, cheating all the time, stealing all the time. So I, I don't know. <laughs>
So what makes me very angry is that on the day he died and was executed, he's told everyone that this was wrong. And then he followed up that statement with, I forgive all, and I do mean all those who have been involved in my death. God bless you all, and may God's blessings, oh, excuse me, may God's best blessings be always yours. And then he died. See you by in hell, motherfucker. Out. Bye. Goodbye. So he was buried in Forest Park East Cemetery in Webster, Texas. And poor little Timothy was buried in Forest Park uh, Lauderdale, Lauderdale Cemetery in Houston. Thank God they were buried in the same cemetery because would I wouldn't be want my son anywhere terrible. near that disgusting, awful, evil person. I um, dig it up. <laughs> I dig it up. <laughs> I say bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Stick it in the dumpster. Don't Not need here. it here. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, so that is my story of the Candyman. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Alana's wonderful little story she I has. Um, awful, awful, awful yeah, it things. It was a bad ending, and I apologize. <laughs> it's that. okay, though. We have a happy ending in the end. Oh, one more thing about the Candyman. As he was dying from lethal injection, um, the people who are watching, like, behind the glass were yelling, Trick or treat! Trick or treat! Which is fucked up. <laughs> but... I agree. <laughs> yes, I also. It's messed up, but I agree. I do too. So, yeah, yeah that's how he went out. That's how, I wouldn't wish anything more for him, honestly. Mm. Um, so, anyway, if y'all are interested in seeing us instead of just hearing us, you can look us up on YouTube. We are Anything Goes Bump in the Night on YouTube. You can look us up on Instagram, Anything Goes uh, B-I-T-N is the abbreviated version for that one. Um, we also have our TikTok, Anything Goes B-I-T-N on there as well. Yes. Um, come check us out on all of our different platforms. Like and subscribe if you're interested. Um, we would love to see you guys for our next episode. If y'all have suggestions, please comment below. Please. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And have a smooky, a smooky spooky evening. Spooky. <laughs> spooky. Bye. Bye.